Welcome to Watershed's June podcast. My name is Mark Cosgrove. I'm the Head of Cultural Programme here at Watershed. And I've just come back from the Cannes Film Festival and this month is a report back on some of the films and things that happened in Cannes. If last year's 60th edition of the Cannes Film Festival was a vintage year, then the 61st must be close behind. There were no obvious big hitters, as the parlance would have it, i.e. no on-form Coen brothers but it meant the field was wide open for discoveries, revelations and argument. Indeed, by midweek, the critics were in no agreement, which is a good sign in my book. A story to illustrate was the eagerly awaited premiere of Argentinian director Lucretia Martel's third feature, The Woman Without a Head. Her earlier La Cienega and The Holy Girl were brilliantly atmospheric, wonderfully ambiguous films which marked a decidedly new and exciting talent. Her new film had the added attraction of being produced via Spanish director Pedro Almodóvar and his company El Deseo. Unfortunately, I couldn't get myself a ticket to see the movie and read the following day in the trade papers that it was poorly received, certainly by Screen International's critics, although the French were more favourable. I was due to leave on the day of its second screening, but a colleague, David Sin from the Independent Cinema Office in London, had just arrived in Cannes and was going to see it. I got a text at the airport as I was leaving, simply saying the critics got it wrong. I look forward to catching up with it in the near future and hopefully screening it at Watershed. There had been a bit of a brouhaha in the UK press on the run-up to Cannes. No British film was selected for the main competition. This prompted the usual cry of, well, Cannes doesn't matter, from some quarters. However, as was pointed out, a British debut feature was opening the prestigious Uncertain Regards section which in other festivals would be a sidebar, but in Cannes is, well, prestigious. Another British film was in Director's Fortnight, and the greatest British director never to have been supported to make a film in the last ten years, Terence Davis, had remarkably his new film, albeit a documentary relying heavily on archive footage, screening out of competition. Not bad for a wee country. Steve McQueen who is known and hugely respected for his artwork, all of which, to my knowledge, have been moving image installations. The most recent at the Venice Biennale last year was an extraordinary intense piece following the manual extraction of a rare mineral out of Congo soil to its use in high-tech manufacturing. I was aware McQueen was working on his first feature film. When I hear of artists making moves into the film world, regular listeners will know already, I flinch somewhat. However, McQueen's work has an intensity which uses cinematic language to convey his meaning. When I heard the subject was Bobby Sands, the IRA hunger striker in the notorious H-block prisons, if anyone was going to capture the intensity of that situation, then McQueen could. However, it was with some trepidation I went to the screening, only to be sent reeling into the canned streets afterwards, shocked, speechless and in complete admiration for the power of the film. This was a 10 o'clock in the morning screening and I had another reportedly heavy film, Soy Cowboy, to see at noon. I walked down the street with culture show critic Mark Kermode, who'd also been in the screening. He was heading off to see the return of Indiana Jones. I thought for a moment, how could I get a ticket? That's exactly the mindless entertainment required after hunger. I would have to settle for a stiff drink instead. Hunger went on to win the camera door for first-time filmmaker and was subsequently bought for UK distribution by Pathy and will be released later in the year. 
I know of Dwayne Hopkins, the British director of Better Things, showing in Critics Week, through his short films, which we have screened at the Encounter Short Film Festival. His debut feature is an exceptionally gloomy film, and I do mean gloomy in the best sense of the word, which unusually depicts a teenage reality of drug-fuelled miserabilism in rural Cotswolds. It's a confidently assured, cinematographically precise film in which Hopkins knows exactly what he's trying to achieve. Terence Davis made a triumphant return to Cannes. His documentary of Time in the City is a poetic meditation on his home city, Liverpool, made under the auspices of Liverpool, European city of culture. Reports of critics leaving the press screening in tears circulated around the Quasette. I managed to get into the late night repeat screening introduced by Terence Davis himself. It was indeed a moving scene as most of the British delegation rose in applause to this much maltreated major filmmaking talent. The film, I said, is a poetic meditation relying heavily on wonderful archive footage of Liverpool and narrated in full, animated, undulating, melodramatic timbre by Davis himself. It wasn't the moving masterpiece I was expecting, but it was rewarding enough to be at the beginning, hopefully, of the renaissance of Davis, and I much look forward to Davis's own moving images. I managed to see a handful of films from the main competition, of which some thoughts. Lena de Passa, from Walter Salas and co-directed by Daniela Thomas, was a powerful, if somewhat predictable, triumph of the human spirit in the slums of Brazil. However, its predictability is, I think, down to the world-weary film people, like myself, probably seeing too many films. In retrospect, this film will really engage audiences in the ensemble stories of the family it depicts, their aspirations and passions. The opening sequences themselves were an energetic triumph of cinema. There is a pattern emerging here, because I do believe cinema from South America has been consistently strong for the past few years. Also from South America, Leonara is an engaging story of a woman locked up in a prison whilst pregnant who gets salvation of sorts through the burgeoning relationship with her child. Its depiction of prison life is raw and the performance by the main actress exceptional. Waltz with Bashir was probably the most emotional amongst a lineup of highly charged films. It depicts the remembrances of Israeli soldiers' attack on Lebanon in the early 1980s. Via, interestingly, animation, a technique which pulls you into the evolving narrative in a seductive, dreamlike way, only to reveal, in devastating, powerful way, the consequences of the attack. Hungarian film Delta was exquisitely realised, classically constructed Eastern European cinema, the kind of film you have to give yourself over to rather than expecting conventional mainstream narrative flow. It's set in the extraordinary Danube Delta where a man returns to build himself a new life. Some of the images and music were absolutely stunning. Standout cinematic moment for me was the enigmatic French director Leos Carac's contribution to the triptych Tokyo. His sequence grips from the off and doesn't let go. It's like Monty Python on speed. It's completely serious and completely daft, and proves beyond a doubt the extraordinary, remarkable talent of French actor Denis Lavant. Finally, standout crazy can moment. Argentinian footballer Maradona, standing at the top of the red carpet, showing he still has that phenomenal talent with the ball, doing keepy-uppy and then kicking it into the crowds. They, of course, go absolutely crazy. After all, this is Cannes.